You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast, brought to you by InRiver. Welcome to PIM Talk, the podcast for product marketers, merchandisers, and PIM professionals. And every second Tuesday, we come together to share knowledge, experiences, and challenges to be able to create even better product stories. Maybe you're wondering what PIM is. PIM is a software that is all about managing all product marketing information in one place to create a rich customer experience in all channels and shorten time to market. And if you're new to PIM, check out our first episode, What is PIM? I'm your host, Thomas Schwabberg. I'm the creative director at InRiver, and we want to do this podcast for you and with you. So please contact us and tell us what topics you would like us to cover, what guests you would like to have on the show, or maybe you want to contribute in any way. So you can email us at pimtalk at inriver.com or send a message on Twitter at pimtalkpodcast. In this episode, we're going to focus on B2B commerce and also what implication it has when Alibaba and Amazon is entering that market. Uh, And we have a really interesting guest that I'm happy to present for you. So why not get directly into the talk? So today I'm very happy to have Ray Grady here on the show. Welcome, Ray. Hi, nice to see you. Thank you, Thomas, for the time this morning. Yeah, thank you. And uh, could you please just uh, start with introducing yourself a little bit? Who are you? Sure. Yeah, my name is Ray Grady. Uh, I uh, run uh, B2B Commerce for Salesforce. So I'm the general manager of B2B Commerce. Before uh, joining Salesforce, I was the president and chief customer officer of CloudCraze. And CloudCraze is an e-commerce platform that's built directly in uh, inside of Salesforce on top of Salesforce. All right. Salesforce acquired our business about 16 months ago. So I have two thoughts about this. One is, why do you need uh, an e-commerce that is specifically built for B2B commerce? What is the difference between that and, and just your plain average e-commerce that you find out there? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good question, Thomas, and one we get a lot. And uh, there, there's a lot of differences between B2B and B2C. So as an example, I'll give, um, you know, one of our larger categories is consumer goods, uh, but it's consumer goods on the wholesale side. So I always kind of give that as an example when I try and explain the difference between B2B or B2C to someone. So um, let's, let's say you're a footwear and apparel company. Well, on the consumer side, you'll have uh, one site um, it may be replicated across countries um, and those sites will have consumer products. Those consumer products will have a specific color, a specific size, right? Yeah. Unknown consumers will find the site. The brand will do tactics to get them to the site. And then their goal will be to turn that consumer into a customer. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll land on the site. They may try and give them an offer. They'll see product. Everybody sees the same product. They'll see the price of the product. That price will be the same. The consumer, if they want to buy, they may add two, three, four items to cart. Uh, they're going to check out. Everybody's price will be the same as I mentioned. They'll pay probably with a credit card, right, or Apple Pay, uh, and they'll ship those products to their home. So that's that's the typical consumer use case for commerce. Well, B two B, it's different. So if you're an apparel, if you're a footwear and apparel company, 
and you wanted to use B2B commerce to say, have a certain segment of your wholesale community self-serve, these folks would have to offer up a platform that could let these wholesalers buy an entire season's worth of product. In fact, they would do what's called pre-order season's worth of product. And each wholesaler will have a negotiated price that will be different than the other wholesaler. So we'll see different price per wholesaler. We'll see entitled products. So wholesaler A may only get to see certain products where wholesaler B could see different ones. They'll add hundreds of items to the cart. Uh, They'll have multiple ways in which they could pay. They could pay with a purchase order. They could pay with an e-procurement system, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they check out, they're going to go ahead and, and ship those orders to dozens of endpoints, dozens of retail stores to actually sell to a direct to to the consumer when the consumer comes into the store. So, yes, it's B two B commerce, and yes, it's e commerce. But as you can see, the requirements are are different in B two B than B two C. Yeah, quite a lot, and I mean a lot more complexity as well. A lot more complexity. Yes, so oftentimes. You know, we have customers, it'll be weight, it'll be color, the, the amount of attributes to a B2B SKU may be much different than a B2C SKU. Hmm. And you also mentioned that that you built uh, your B2B commerce upon uh, the Salesforce platform. Maybe you could just tell a little bit about that as well, why you made that choice or what was the benefit of doing that? Yeah, so the team that decided to build uh, the platform um, had been in e-commerce for a long time. And we... Uh, you know, we had we had grown up in B 2 C, and we'd seen the early iterations of the early e commerce platforms, and then, you know, we, we started to see the growth in B 2 B, and then we realized, you know, after doing some research, that you know, B 2 B is actually a much larger market than the B 2 C marketplace. Um, in fact, it's you know, Gartner and Forrest will say it's about six times the size of B 2 C. But um, the, as we just discussed earlier here in the conversation, the requirements and the use cases are different. And a B2B customer uh, typically has a sales rep that services them. They may have field, they may have people who go out in the field to service their products. There's a call center application typically. So CRM makes a whole heck of a lot of sense in a B2B use case, right? Because these are clients, whether they're manufacturers or distributors, they want to have one view of their end customer. That customer could be a distributor or it could be the end customer. And if all of their sales reps use a CRM system and all of their call center reps use the same CRM system and all of the field service reps use the same CRM system, you can start to see where it makes a ton of sense to have all of those experiences inform your digital experience and inform your website and ultimately inform your e-commerce platform. So that's why we went ahead and built e-commerce on the spine of what we think is the, you know, the best CRM system in the world, Salesforce. Yeah, cool. So we're going to continue to talk about um, B2B commerce, but with an angle of also what's happening with uh, the marketplaces and in specifically uh, Amazon and Alibaba. So uh, where did all of this start? When, when these, did these marketplaces come into the world of B2B manufacturers? Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, I think when, when people think of, marketplaces, whether it's Alibaba, Amazon, Flipkart, depending upon where you are in the world, uh, you know, again, they more often than not, these folks think of it as a B2C use case, which if you look at the lion's share of their revenue, um, that's that's appropriate. But, you know, Amazon for years has been exploring B2B uh, and, yeah. and they've made a tremendous amount of strides in B2B. I remember back in 
at probably 2006, 2007, they came up with something called Amazon Supply, which is really looking at the distribution space and saying, well, if we have a ton of infrastructure and we have the ability to distribute product really well and we can drop ship and things of that nature, if we have the eyeballs, why wouldn't we get into the B2B business? And, and, they've, and they've grown that business significantly. But Alibaba was first or the first of the large ones. No, actually, we think Amazon was the first of the large marketplaces. Okay. If you look at, um, at least domestically here in the United States, Amazon were first. Now, Alibaba, they may have done some, some things, some smaller marketplaces internationally, uh, but they've really started to double down on their, uh, on, their, on their U.S. growth here recently, right? They just announced uh, marketplace uh, capabilities that they're going to bring to specific categories. So whether it's food and beverage distribution, footwear and apparel, uh, also, um, you know, they're starting to dabble. They're, they're, it's really more on the consumer goods side to start on the wholesale business. But I think we'll start to see increasingly that get into more of the industrial side. So if you're a customer, you have to kind of weigh, all right, when I think about my B2B commerce strategy, how do I think about it, right? And we will do, um, you know, we as the, as the, well, myself, right, as the guy who runs the B2B commerce business for Salesforce, you know, oftentimes we'll talk to customers about the website, the, the B2B commerce site. But increasingly, we're delivering solutions that take a B2B commerce system and really turn it into more of a B2B order capture system to where we can help customers across any way in which they want to touch their, their end customer distributor. So whether it's through an EDI, uh, maybe a modern EDI transaction that we can help you know, bring to them, or whether it's you know, taking orders that come in PDF or fax or through a different means into our system. Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways in which customers uh, buy today. We want to make sure that we're showing up the right way to service our customers. So, yeah, marketplace is a marketplace is a big one, but there are other ways in which the customers want to you know want to want to drive their business. Yeah, but what do you say? How does this change the game when Amazon and Alibaba is moving forward their uh, positions? What kind of opportunities or threat is there if you're a, a B2B? A manufacturer or so, or if you want to buy, I mean, that's the other end of, of the um, equation. Yeah, Tom, it's a good question. And, and I think it's, uh, I think you said it right. It's what are the, what are the opportunities and threats? Because I think they're, I, I think they're, they're both right. So if you're, let's say that you're a, uh, a chemical distributor, right? Yeah. So you have relationships with lots of different types of end customers. You have very large customers and you have maybe some mid to small customers and the large customers may have uh, sales reps and call center reps specific to them, but maybe some of your segment does not. Well, now if Amazon all of a sudden gets into the chemical distribution business uh, and they are going direct to your end customer and saying, hey, come to my marketplace. I can offer all sorts of different services, all sorts of different products, and I can deliver the commodity chemical that you buy from XYZ distributor. You know, our distribution customers can be uh, uh, phased out of the value chain there. Right. Yeah. Or if you look at someone like a, a consumer goods company, right? If all of a sudden, you know, if you look at Amazon Essentials and they're creating white label consumer good products, right? What does that mean to that consumer brand, right? Are they going to get commoditized out of the value chain, whether it's a battery, whether it's a cornflake, whatever the case may be, right? So they, so these brands really need to be smart about what their overall commerce strategy is, how they're going to interface 
with marketplaces and then really using marketplace just as a channel to serve the B2B customer in a multi-channel way. So we feel like the ones who are winning in this space are not, they, they don't view Amazon as a overall threat to their business. They simply view them as a channel uh, in the way in which they need to serve their customer. And if you do so, you know, these customers, uh, our customers, you know, can succeed and win because if you have, you know, if you have uh, one view of your customer, you can service them in a way that a, that a traditional marketplace cannot, right? Yeah. So if they're happy with sales and service and marketing and commerce and, they, and everybody's integrated as to what that customer is doing, more often than not, you'll delight your customer. And, and I think good things will happen from there. Mm. Yeah, so I guess it's, uh, it's as important as ever to, to keep the customer close to you and, and be, be able to also you know, reach that customer no matter where they put their order. That's right. That's absolutely right. You're listening to Pim Talk, the product marketing podcast. And after this short break, we're going to continue talk to Ray Grady about B2B commerce and marketplaces. PIM stands for Product Information Management, and InRiver stands for PIM. Want to learn more about how your organization can benefit from PIM software? We've put together a free white paper where you can learn what you need to know about how your e-commerce platform can benefit from PIM. Go to www.pimtalk.com to download a free guide to help you better understand how PIM can work for you. That's www.pimtalk.com. Is there any differences in between how Amazon and Alibaba uh, works in the U.S. market today? Yeah, I think I think I think there is. I think I think if you look at where uh, Amazon has come from, I mean, the Amazon has put at least in the North American marketplace, right? They've put a lot of chips uh, on the table uh, across multiple different kind of B two B businesses. Uh, right. So whether it's on the fulfillment side, whether it's on the dropship side, obviously this Amazon supply, as I mentioned, other categories, it seems like Amazon is uh, very mindful of the categories where they want to play and they do a lot of research before they really jump in. I think Alibaba, whereas they may be late to the game, I know they're aggressively going after large consumer good companies. Maybe Amazon started on the industrial side and on the white label of consumer goods side where Alibaba is really focusing on enabling marketplaces for consumer good customers to play on the wholesale side at scale. Right. So I think there's, there's differences in strategies, you know, time will tell, you know, which strategy is the one that's going to, it's going to pay off for each company. Mm. So do you think we will see like white labeling of, of more industrial products as well? I think we absolutely could. I, th I think we absolutely could. Now that that's going to be, you know, again, I, I think that's going to be, uh, that could be a ways away. Um, and, it, and, and it's going to really kind of put pressure on the um, kind of on the marketplace, the historical marketplace provider to be in the product manufacturing industry. But again, I think if you have all of this, rich and robust data about what customers are trying to do and you realize that you know you can enter in a marketplace and you can disintermediate the entire distribution network by white labeling a product 
in a more cost-effective way in a commodity sale, I wouldn't put it against any one of these marketplace providers to to continue to move closer to the B2B customer. So, you know, whereas today they may be having Amazon Essentials for batteries and cornflakes and diapers, but tomorrow, you know, that could easily be machines, it could be chemicals, it could be things of that nature. Yeah. So I, I guess in a situation where suddenly uh, your product is displayed among many, many other companies' products, uh, when it, when someone is looking for a particular, it could be a chemical, as you say, or a component or someone else. I mean, it, you need, really need to up your game on your product information, I can imagine. Uh, absolutely, you need, to, you need to up your game on product information, and you need to make sure you're, you're, you're staying in touch with the, the requirements of the individual marketplace, which evolve all the time. That's why I'm so excited about the partnership that Salesforce has with within River, right? Because if you look at our customers, again, this is a multi-channel business that they're playing in. So, so when they think about product information, maybe historically as a B2B manufacturer, you really haven't had to worry about, let's call it marketing information or enriching your, your, your product information because you had had a one-to-one relationship between a physical rep and a, and a customer. But now that you're putting your products online and maybe online in a, in, in a number of different areas, the ability to not only enrich that product, but syndicate it out in, a, in an orchestrated way to different endpoints is, is really important. And for our customers that have that robust requirement and have that robust need for enriched product, uh, you know, the, the relationship with, uh, within River has been, been very important. Yes, and this is something that we face all the time. Customers who want to ensure that their product experiences is good in, in all kinds of uh, channels that they need to get their products out in and, and also be able to meet different kinds of buyers in those channels as well. And, and I mean, making sure that they have all the information that is required to, to meet the standards of these new players as well. But if we look further on, uh, what do you see um, in the future? What will be the next step? Do you think new players also will come in uh, competing with Alibaba or Amazon, or are they just going to consume the world? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think it's tough, really. I, I think when you look at just the scale and the ability to scale and the ability to get eyeballs, uh, I think you know, the existing marketplace providers in B2B, uh, be it Alibaba and Amazon, they have a huge step up. Now, I would not uh, count against or bet against any of the uh, internet as a service, platform as a service providers to get into that business, right? So if you look at if Microsoft with Azure said, okay, we want to go ahead and play at scale in the enterprise from a B2B perspective, if Google with Google Cloud Platform said they want to get into that business, I wouldn't bet against them, right? But I think it's going to need to be someone of that scale to enter into the market. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe someone like a Walmart, that would be a pretty big uh, move to move away from consumer, but uh, it's going to be, you know, it, it can't be many more providers than the three I just articulated because of the scale it's going to take to get there. So, I mean, you have a, a long experience of working with B2B uh, commerce. So, um, could you just share one of the, the key learnings that you have got through the years? Things that, I mean, uh, an easy mistake to do or a best practice or or a success story? Could you just? Yeah, sure, sure. I think I think there's 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 um, maybe I'll give you more than one if that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. So you know, one, it's don't overthink it. Uh, so more often than not in B two B, it it it's uh, th- these customers aren't at the point 
where they're ready to scale their business. So don't take two years or three years and try and develop the best e-commerce platform known to man. Because if you take that amount of time, you're going to be wrong because the marketplace is moving too fast. So take advantage of uh, just the advancements in technology today. Take advantage of true software as a service and agile. Listen to your customers and get something out there. I mean, we've launched customers uh, you know, here at Salesforce in eight, 12 weeks, and, and, and the learnings have been wonderful. The customers in, inevitably learn something post go live that they never would have captured in more of a traditional waterfall requirement session. So test and mm-hmm. learn, I think is really important in B2B. Uh, and, I'd, and I'd also say run it like a business. Um, you know, in B2C, you have teams of people that get up every day and worry about conversion rates and worry about affiliate marketing, worry about social media marketing, mobile marketing, et cetera. Well, you need to run your B2B commerce like you'd run your B2C commerce as a business, right? So you have to put a business person in place, make them responsible for a number, get them to have regions sign up for the number, uh, and then drive towards it, right? So those would be the two lessons learned. Unfortunately, I've seen some B2B projects that look more like an IT project, and these are these are multi-billion dollar top-line uh, programs and businesses that, that uh, people are running, and you need to run it as such. Okay. Thanks, Ray. It was great having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you very much, Thomas. I hope you found the episode interesting, and I hope that we'll get the chance to meet you this year. And there is a number of events where you can meet us at Inriver. And uh, first, we're going to have an event in the Netherlands, if you are in that region, about how will the future world of PIM impact the customer's behavior. That's going to be on September 10th in Hertogenbosch. And that's an event that we are doing with our partner Satac. And there will be topics around artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, Microsoft will be there. Our product manager Emil Eriksson will be there. And I hope you will be there as well. So what do we have more? Well, Episoverse in Denmark on September 12th. Uh, we're going to do a um, webinar with LanguageWire on September 17th. Well, then we're not going to meet you, but you can write questions in the chat and it can be an interactive experience as well and on september 18th it's time for pinpoint americas 2019 so if you're on the american continent if you have the opportunity to be able to go there you should definitely go to the best pim event on the american continent this year so uh, there will be a large number of interesting speakers and keynotes uh, you will also be able to network a lot there's going to be a networking event the night before uh, there is also customer um, day the day before so take a look at that you can go to the river website go into events and you will see that as well uh, really hope to see you there there will be a pim talk live uh, session as well on stage so um just for that could be interesting to come and be in the audience and uh, would really like to be able to uh, connect with you if you come to uh, in Pinpoint Americas. Uh, if you're more local in Malmö, Sweden, uh, I'm actually going to be uh, doing a, a session with Concede uh, September 26 with the question, do you really need a tool for product information management? You can, I guess you can see the answer to this, but uh, if you really want to know be there September 26 Malmö Sweden it will be me and River Champion Roy Eriksson uh, talking there and Axel Bilkvist as well I hear 
We're also going to be on Internet Retailing Conference uh, 2019 in London, October 10th, on Retail Experience Live in Helsinki, November 6th and 7th. And next year, make a mark in your calendar already now, Pinpoint Summit 2020 in Malmö, April 1st and 2nd. We also do trainings, uh, both for customers and partners. And there are a number of trainings coming up. Looking at what we have in Amsterdam, we're going to be a business consultant training on October 23rd and 24th. If we see also in Chicago, there will be trainings for both business consultants and developers on October 1st and 2nd and December 3rd and 4th. Uh, we're going to have a business consultant training and developer training in Malmö on September 25th, 26th and November 20th, 21st. Also to um, remind you is that there is a preparatory course that is online that you can take whenever you want. We also have a number of user trainings coming up. Uh, looking in EMEA, we have in Stockholm, this uh, September 18th, in Düsseldorf, October 23rd, and Malmö, November 13th. And in Chicago, user trainings coming up August 22nd, 23rd, October 1st and 2nd, and November 13th and 14th, and December 3rd and 4th. So I hope to be able to meet you in any of these sessions. Also, I wish you a really good week. Thank you for listening. For feedback, tips and questions, you can email us at pimtalk at or message us at pimtalkpodcast at Twitter. Please, if you like the show, go into iTunes and give us a good review. And if you would like to see some behind-the-scenes material, bloopers and live streams, you can follow Pimtalk on Instagram. See you again in two weeks. Bye.